Happy Wednesday to you here on the Locked On Syracuse podcast. Tyler Aki and Tim Leonard, the only place to get your daily orange podcast. Check the show out on Twitter at LO underscore Syracuse. Today, we're going to talk to one of our guys, our favorite guys, Matthew Gutierrez from The Athletic. That's coming up in just a little bit. We're going to get into some hoop stuff. Lots and lots of recruiting. Benny Williams, Frank Anselm, how are their Syracuse careers going to shake out? And what is the coaching staff saying about them? Also, we're going to dive into some more of what to expect for the remainder of 2021, as well as the 2022 class that everyone is anticipating. So let's get to it. Matthew Gutierrez. All right, it's always fun when we've got this guy on the line. From The Athletic, one of our favorite guys to talk to, Matthew Gutierrez. Matthew, what's going on, my man? What's up, fellas? Always a pleasure to talk hoops, golf, recruiting, whatever. So happy to be on. I got to ask you, since you bring up golf there, and we've got club champion Tim Leonard on the line, are you still down in Florida right now? Are Are you getting those golf swings in? Absolutely. I'm still down here until this weekend, and then I'll be heading up north where I will continue to uh, work on my game. But yeah, I've been, uh, been playing when I can, working on some drills, trying to get to uh, half of, of Tim's level. I understand he's a really good golfer and all-around good player, whether it's uh, from the tee box or, or uh, in the short game. So I'm just trying to get somewhere remotely close to that level. Wow, this is great. I'm flattered. Let's just keep talking about golf the entire podcast, I think. Before we get into this, I feel like this is a great time for Tim to share his Jim Beheim golf story. Oh, yeah, that is true. Did I ever tell you this, Goody? I don't think I've heard this. Okay, so so this is great timing, Tyler. So I'm at Drumlins, (laughs) one of our favorite places. I'm sure you frequented it, uh, Goody, and doing the the student rate, but it's actually during the summer when I was up there one summer and I'm playing behind a group and I'm, I'm just a single and I'm kind of motoring along and I see three or four people in front of me, honestly was kind of complaining. Like, why aren't they letting me play through? I get up to a par three after a long walk and lo and behold on the tee box is Jim Bayheim, buddy Bayheim, Jimmy Bayheim, And I think one other person, I think it was a foursome. But they're all playing. We know they're big golfers. And they let me through. And I got to say, just couldn't have been nicer. And I guess he was in his element on the golf course, but was a little nervous to hit a shot in front of him. Went pretty well. He was just the nicest guy. It was like a normal guy. I was just talking to him. Didn't know whether I should say something like, hey, coach. But I just let it go and went on with my day. But it couldn't have been a more normal interaction for the biggest celebrity in Syracuse. That's pretty neat. Great, great. Thank you for sharing that. I do know Buddy <laughs> Buddy and Jimmy love playing with their fathers, former golf coach at Syracuse, and according to uh, Jerry McNamara and Sean Wildpack, has has one of the better swings in all out of all of college basketball coaches in, in terms of the charity mm-hmm. golf events they play. So I don't know if you got a chance to actually see him playing, but uh, yeah. apparently he's a, an excellent golfer. Yeah, I bet. No, I, I didn't get to see him that day. But how close it- did you stick that shot? It was it was one of my better shots of the day. I was kind of like, <laughs> things were moving quickly. I was like, what's going on here? Because, you know, I <laughs> never would expect to see them at Drumlins. And I'm glad I didn't, like, hit into them on the hole before or something when I found out who it was. But I hit it pretty good somehow. I know she also plays at, um, uh, in, in Fayetteville, I believe, right in Onondaga Country Club and I think a couple others he, he frequents. So, uh Drumlins is, I believe, where where he coached the Syracuse golf team. So it probably yeah. 
uh, it's fun for him to, you know, reminisce the, the same course he played back in the 60s. So Bayheim, he hits the greens on the golf course, but he's been hitting the greens on the recruiting trail this week, too, because he brought in both Benny <laughs> Williams and Frank Anselm. So let's dive right into this now, because Benny Williams is what everyone's all jazzed up for. And I feel like over these last couple of years now, fan standards for the recruit that comes in has really lowered a bit. But just can you put into words how big of a win is this to get Benny Williams this early for this 2021 cycle? Uh, certainly a, a big win. You don't want to overstate it. You know, he's not a, a five-star guy. He's, he's not at Dior Johnson's level, but but really good player. Uh, good to get that, that commitment relatively early, right? They had zero commitments, as you alluded there, in the 2021 class. You know, I, had, I think Syracuse had known for a couple of months now that they were really close to getting a commitment from Benny. It was just a matter of time. Uh, he was going to make his decision a little bit later in June or even July, but decided to push it up after Frank committed. He felt like uh, he wanted to continue the momentum for Syracuse fans. That's in his words, and, and he did that by committing last Thursday, you know, what, not 24, 25 hours after Frank committed. But in Benny, I think this is the prototypical long forward. He can shoot a little bit. I think when he when he develops physically, he'll be able to stretch the floor at Syracuse, get some time early, uh, possibly right away even. Uh, if not as a freshman, certainly as a sophomore, will he carve out a nice role for himself. And it looks like he's a pretty good defender too. Always tough to tell from, from tape on, on high school players, but long, athletic, and the Syracuse coaches really have liked him for, for quite some time. And a guy who you know has transformed from a 5'9", freshman in high school who was on junior varsity for two seasons was a little bit overlooked that fueled him and he hit a growth spurt and and now he's a you know a big time recruit right with offers from from a host of division one schools uh, including some 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 big programs right georgetown syracuse among them always make syracuse fans happy to see them beat out georgetown i'm sure but you touched on his game a little bit there, Goody. Who would you compare him to? Maybe a former SU player, just anyone else that comes to mind that has a similar game to Benny Williams. Don't use the C word. <laughs> no, I'm not using any C words. Don't worry about that. No, no C words a lot, right? I think uh, a couple guys. I know Syracuse used Jeremy Grant with him. I think that's fair. Uh, certainly not the athlete Grant is or was. Uh, in college, I, that doesn't mean Benny can't get to that point. He's got some similarities just in, in terms of the length and kind of, you know, mid-range to interior uh, abilities, really quick in there and, and can carve out his own shot and really good with dump-offs and, and even creating for himself a little bit. So Jeremy Grant, he's got some slight Marek in him. Just in his court awareness is, is high. His IQ is high. He's smooth. He's long and thin. Uh, so a little bit there. He he probably will be a better shooter than Marek. Marek just hasn't developed that shot. I think the way the coaches and a lot of outsiders thought he would, we'll we'll see if if he makes any strides in his senior year. But I think it's it's a blend between a couple of those guys and even a, a someone that Syracuse fans haven't yet seen. But Woody Newton uh, reminds me, you know, Benny and Woody kind of remind me of of each other. They're both longer. Uh, forwards who who can shoot it a little bit and are a little underdeveloped physically, but when they do get uh, fully developed and hit the weights with with vigor, they can be pretty good players down the line. 
what's his role going to look like? Because whether or not Alan Griffin gets a waiver this year, he's presumably going to be the starter in 2021, barring something crazy. So what exactly is Benny Williams' development and role going to develop into over these next two years? Sure, it'll be it'll be really interesting. You know, we're going to, as you alluded, we're going to find out what happens with some guys. You know, there's usually past decade or two, right, a, a player who leaves maybe earlier than we intended uh, or that people thought. So I'm sure that's uh, going to happen in the next couple of years, right? There's Alan Griffin, of course, and um, Quincy even, you know, certainly yeah. would kind of have a role to, to open up for a guy like Benny. So a couple unknowns yet. We don't know how Woody Newton's going to progress, but Marek will be gone. A few other guys, you know, Barama Sidibe will be gone, who will take some minutes in the front court, although at a uh, the position over at the five. So, I, you know, it's it's tough to tell right now. I'm interested to see how Benny plays uh, his senior year of high school, assuming he can get at least some action in. I know some high schools are, are in more difficult situations than others. But if he can play a little bit, you know, his father thinks he still could be growing. Uh, I think he'll put on probably 15 to 20 pounds, which should really help him in the next year. Um, it'll, I think he can uh, put put some weight on, put some – Add some skill to his his toolbox. He uh, probably won't start right away, but I think his role will certainly involve minutes. It just depends on how many minutes, you know, and a lot of that just is what Beheim sees in, in fall practice, right? Can you learn the zone well? Can you defend? Can you rebound? Can you do those little things, not turn the ball over to, to earn yourself some time? It's interesting you bring up the the potential for growth for him, whether it's in inches or in weight, but is this a guy that the even at six foot eight? that views him strictly as a three or is this a guy who they think can have some positional versatility maybe play a little three little four i think the latter definitely i think three and four um you know probably i'm a little bit more versatile than marek although marek you know sometimes channels point guard right and brings the ball up and surprises <laughs> everybody including the defense and, and gets himself a dunk in transition that you know maybe he shouldn't have but he took the credit to him he took advantage i think benny can be a guy probably like that right where he uh, can channel some guard he, again he, he was a junior varsity point guard and a shooting guard for his first two years of high school so he has guard skills and I think he'll continue to have those uh, create his own shot pass facilitate so yeah he could probably looking at a three and a four and he, he he'll be the height if he continues to grow an inch or two of of some fives that Syracuse plays right six nine six ten is an average height for a college five, but he'll have that length and speed and quickness they won't have to play the three and the four. And if he can shoot, he'll have a really well-rounded game. All right, hang on one sec, Goody, because i got to tell you about the best and most cost-effective way on the market to maintain and repair your car or truck today. And that's by going to rockauto.com. You basically have two choices if you're trying to maintain or repair your vehicle. You can either spend twice as much money, or you can go to rockauto.com, which has always reliably low prices, and the same for professionals and do-it-yourselfers. It's just a great selection, amazing selection at rockauto.com. All the parts your car will ever need. They have everything from engine control modules and brake parts to tail lamps, motor oil, and even new carpet. Whether it's for your classic or daily driver, get everything you need in a few easy clicks delivered directly to your door. Make sure to write Locked On in their How Did You Hear About Us box so they know we sent you. Go to rockauto.com today. We got more coming up with Matthew Gutierrez right after this. 
kind of staying in the 2021 class lens, I know a lot of people have started to look into Mac Etienne more, and that seems to be where Syracuse is going to focus a lot of their attention going forward. What have you heard in regards to Mac Etienne, and how much do you think Syracuse is really in on him? Certainly Syracuse is, is really in on him. Uh, I guess the, the problem there is that a lot of schools are, and so he's going to have some decisions to make for sure as far as his however he wants to do it, whether it's a top 10, top five, or just outright choose. Some some players just choose out of the blue. Uh, but he's got some big-time offers from just about every high major. You know, you go down the list. A couple of them might be impacted by um, penalties. We'll see. Uh, that, that could lean him uh, against those schools, including Louisville and, and a few others. You know, he's, he's big. He's strong. He – We've talked about it before. I know you guys have talked about it quite a bit. It's been written about, you know, Syracuse has not thrived at the five position. He would be certainly a bright spot there and really plug in well in that class. Uh, there was some discussion uh, about him reclassifying to 2020, uh, but I think uh, he he's, looks like he's going to stay 2021. And he's uh, uh, just because he's so advanced and he has some, some good skills. His shot is still still developing from from some of the tape. It looks like as a lot of bigs are, but he's got skill. He has a spin move. He, he can create a little bit, face up, dunk, uh, defense, and and I think it, it would be if he, if he were to pick Syracuse, we don't know. He'd be a, an outlier, right? He's, he's thick. He'd come in right away with a with a a legit college body to play big minutes. So between Mac and that class, and then the class. After him, Donovan Klingon's class, he's uh, he's slowly going to pick up some heat, I think, on the recruiting trail. Beheim thinks he's one of the best bigs in his class, if not the best big. Seven-foot-one center from Connecticut. He's another guy to keep an eye on. So I think if Syracuse could just land one of those two, they'd be in a really good spot at the five. Yeah, I saw Klingon, I think, just got put into the ESPN Top 60 that they released the other day. So... Definitely a guy who's trending up. I've got a little bit of a recruiting plan and course of action here. And and feel free to pass this along to Coach Beheim too. But <laughs> my plan for the remainder of this 2021 class, and Goody, tell me if you agree with this or not. I said, throw the kitchen sink blitz for Mac Etienne. And if you don't get anyone else in the class, that's cool. Because you've got already a pretty stacked and loaded and experienced roster. A lot of guys going to be coming back, at least on the surface, and of course, things can change with the transfer market as well. But I say throw the kitchen sink blitz for Mac Etienne. And if you don't get anyone else, I'm cool with that. If it's a one man class. Yeah. I mean, we've seen the past 20 years, you know, I was looking at, looking at it the other day. They've had some, some classes of just one or two guys before. I think usually it's two is the, is the least they go with. But, you know, this 2020 class was going to be two until they added Frank. Uh, so, yeah, it's, 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 it's a, it makes sense that strategy. I wouldn't be surprised if they did it. Uh, or if they do, they do look elsewhere. Uh, you know, given they have so many scholarships filled this year and next year already, and you know, can always go to the transfer market for a quick, quick fill, right? And and Alan Griffin will be eligible, and a couple guys will be back. You'll have a lot of depth at the guard position with Kadari, Joe Girard, and Buddy Beheim uh, all on that team in, in the next two years. So yeah, that that makes a lot of sense. You know, I think Mac. It would be an incredible sale, but if you don't get him, you just re reallocate those resources to the 2022 class, which obviously with Theodore Johnson has shaped up to be uh, pretty good so far. And you hope that they can, Syracuse fans hope that they can probably bolster that with a couple more selections. 
So the other big commit last week, Frank Anselm in the 2020 class, as you said, center, a little bit raw maybe, but what should fans expect from Anselm in his first season? That's a good question. I think we're going to still need to, to answer that in the next few months we'll, when he gets to the gym. Presumably at the Mellow Center, it's going to open in July. It depends on how the football uh, you know, workouts go and testing goes, but it looks like right around July 4th is when they'll be able to start working out and uh, we'll get to see him a little bit in practices then hopefully our workouts and then and then definitely in practice starting in September uh really interested to see you know how he looks in the practices so it is still early to tell he's got limited high school tape but a guy who scored most of his points on dump offs uh really good hands so if there's one skill he he did show through you know, just dump offs, being taller and bigger than everyone else, is that he can catch bad passes, he can catch low passes, high passes, and and show some signs that he could finish pretty well. Uh, he'll need to certainly add a lot of muscle and weight, uh, which which he will. I know he's he's added some pounds in the last year. Uh, hasn't been playing basketball as long as a lot of other guys. Still still developing. He's got a a uh, decent shot so far, pretty smooth. And, and you know, I had thought he would be a redshirt candidate for sure, but looks like he probably won't be and, and could at least earn a little bit of time early on. It's uh, Barama Sidibe's front court, but then you probably have, uh, you know, some room for Frank to, to, to at least compete as a backup um, with Bull. And I would, I would assume probably Jesse Edwards then would, would be the redshirt guy. He's, a good, really good skill, but probably a more longer term. So, yeah, I think Frank could could really buy for some backup minutes at the five. And, you know, as we know, if anything happens to Brahma, injury or flu or whatever, Frank could, could slot in there and get, you know, a much improved playing situation, right, even a starter. So, uh, really, really solid pickup in him as well. Just a good late addition. He's not a blow-you-away five-star big who's going to, you know, dunk and face up and 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 score with nice jump hooks and and defend and, and protect the rim all day. But he will take care of the ball. It looks like and and score one under the basket. And he has a good look. Yeah, I was a little surprised to see your tweet too about the chances of Anselm redshirting not being that high. But you mentioned how Edwards might be the redshirt guy now. I feel like, and I kind of said this on the podcast recently. Why not redshirt Jesse Edwards? Because you've got John Bolajaki you can't redshirt him again. Barama, you're not going to redshirt. He's a senior. Even Marek can play some center if you really want him. So you've got kind of five guys that have played center on the roster. And just knowing Jesse Edwards and how he has a lot of potential, but he has a lot to develop, I figure it'd be kind of a waste to not redshirt him at least once. So what are you hearing in regards to Edwards being a redshirt guy, are the chances that anyone redshirts this year? Yeah, I do think they'll redshirt probably one guy. That's not a decision they make, you know, now. I think they'll yeah. make that decision probably closer to fall or, or when they kind of see guys practice, right? They usually wait out, right? We've heard, we've seen with you know Robert Braswell being a good example. He was, um, I don't have the exact date in front of me, but he was relatively late. They decided to redshirt him late in the season with some of the, the nagging injuries he was facing. Yeah, I think at this point, you know, I'd probably say Jesse Edwards is the is the most uh, likely redshirt candidate. And you know, I had tweeted that I thought Frank was just based on seeing his tape and, and how he would line up in the depth chart. Frank would probably make the most sense to redshirt, but someone uh, with the team 
uh, let me know that that was not the case and that they had not at all spoken about Frank. So I uh, wanted to clarify that. So he's, he probably is not a redshirt and, you know, he could, could earn some time as, as the backup. And as you alluded, Tim, is going to be a pretty crowded front court. If it's a productive one remains to be seen, but it, there will be, there will be bodies there. Yeah. It feels like they're just going to throw a bunch of darts and hope something sticks. And with four guys at the, the caliber that they've got, it feels like one of them, Maybe doesn't pop, but will give you some consistent play night in and night out. Let's say no one takes a red shirt in this hypothetical world. And you've got those four guys there. Obviously, Barama comes in as the starter. But after that, how would you rank the next three? Oh, that's a tough one. I, I, I think probably, again, I've got to see Frank. But I think Frank has the most uh, skill right now. Uh, Jesse is, is probably a little bit higher of a, of a ceiling, maybe. Um, you know, it depends on if he can fill out, but just between the wingspan with, with Jesse, um, and, and I know Frank has, has a seven four seven five wingspan as well. They both have about seven four seven five wingspans. They have length. They can defend. Uh, Jesse just needs to build confidence, be a little bit more assertive. Uh, he was fairly good in the zone. He's got so much length. It looked like <laughs> there was two guys there when he was playing defense sometimes in practice. Uh, not that he was rotating correctly but at all times, but he certainly <laughs> has potential there. Uh, so, you know, I'd probably to rank it right now just based on what we saw last year uh, and some of the tape from some of the, from Frank. Probably, you know, Brahma one, uh, Frank two, uh, Jesse three, and then Bull four. Uh, I think Bowles is a smart player, really good kid, works hard. Uh, he's just a, probably a little bit uh, behind. And again, the redshirt year, we we saw him such such limited action in practice. So don't have a huge sample with some of these guys. But I think Bowl is uh, is about probably most behind those those other guys. Sticking with centers in 2022, you touched on him earlier, but Donovan Klingen. I know you wrote a really good article on him. Any idea what the chances are Syracuse could land him? I know it's early or just maybe where Syracuse is at in terms of his list, if he has one. Yeah, it's, it's still early. I appreciate the kind of words. Great family. You know, he, he lost his mom to breast cancer a couple of years ago, plays for her. And, uh, you know, seemed like a, a pretty good kid, humble, humble guy who is working hard. Um, with him, you know, Syracuse was his first offer, which is not usually the case, right? I mean, usually guys have have at least, uh, you know, lower end, high major, or, or a few mid-majors. But Syracuse was his first offer last August. He went up to the elite camp. Beheim was enamored by him, just blown away, I think. But this was the same camp uh, D.R. Johnson and a number of high-profile guys were at. And, and Donovan was one of the better players there. So, um the, he's going to be really high on Syracuse's priority list. Again, Beheim thinks he's maybe the best big in that class. He's really skilled um, for his size, right? He's seven foot one, and he's not uncoordinated. He's coordinated, and he just turned 16. That, that's rare for a guy so big. I think he'll he'll get a ton more offers. He he's just picking up some steam now. You mentioned the ESPN ratings. His uh, his recruitment picked up some steam after the Syracuse offer that opened the door for him. I think he's heard from pretty much all the Northeast schools so far. Patrick Ewing wanted to see him, but his visit was canceled due to uh, the coronavirus shutting everything down. And I think Michigan and Michigan State have even expressed some some interest. So 
I think he's just beginning, and he's going to probably end up being a guy who's top 25, top 20 in his class, and who, you know, at, at the worst, and who's going to pretty much be able to go anywhere he wants. So uh, the more Syracuse can make him a priority early, the better. And as far as timetable for his decision, he said he's not in a rush. You're probably looking at uh, a decision sometime after his junior season, so not until next spring, the earliest. Looking at the 2022 guards, I find this interesting. So you imagine now in 2022, your backcourt, at least what you know so far, would look like Joe Girard and Dior Johnson. And it'd be very, very tough for someone to overtake either one of those guys in a starting backcourt right now. Why are there so many guards on the Syracuse radar right now? I mean, you hear these names like Chance Westry, Zion Cruz, J.J. Starling, Roddy Gale, because Buddy Beheim's going to be gone, but you'd imagine Dior sliding right in to take that spot. So why why all the guards on the radar? Yeah, you know, I think a couple of reasons. One is you just want to fill out a class with great talent, and I think J.J. was a no-brainer, uh, maybe a little bit of an anomaly, right? He's in the Syracuse backyard, so, uh, you know, you, you normally want to, just generally speaking, not just Syracuse, but kind of throw offers at them. Uh, guys that are close by, like we saw um, uh, with Quincy Ballard, you know, a, a couple months ago, right? Syracuse was really late to, to him. And I think that was more of a, it seemed to be more of a kind of a courtesy offer. And some, some programs have, have done that with, with, with close players. Not to say that JJ is not deserving. He's a tremendous talent and he'll play at a high major right away. Uh, so, you know, I think just a couple of things, one being J.J. adding in the mix, uh, you know, the possibility that Dior, there's a chance he doesn't play college basketball at all because he's so uh, physically talented and mature and, and, you know, probably a surefire NBA player. And then I think they're you just want to have depth there. They're not going to get all those guys, so I think they're just kind of shooting for all, for a couple of them and hoping that you know, one or two do respond and, and do commit and show up on campus, right? If they get Dior and Chance or Dior and Zion Cruz, which seems somewhat likely, right? Because Cruz is, uh, you know, going to be playing high school ball with him now for two years at Oak Hill. So that, that's a possibility. I think they just want to keep their options open for all these really talented players. But off of that, why would a guy like Zion Cruz or Chance Westry guys who probably have one-and-done sort of aspirations, why would they want to go play at Syracuse, given that the backcourt's already pretty much set in terms of you know who the starters are going to be? Yeah, you know, I mean, sometimes a guy like Dior will lure talent to a school, and it looks like he's going to. It's just a matter of who. And then at the same time, you know, they'll see that, hey, you know, Dior is going to be the man there, and they want to be the man somewhere else. And plenty of recruits have, have stated that being a reason for why they attended a certain school, right, with uh, – you know, probably Isaiah Stewart setting his connection to Mike Hopkins, but also just the chance to, to run his own show. And you know, for, for the most part, he did that. So I think, yeah, it's probably a couple of factors. You know, a guy like Chance can, can run his own show probably as a freshman. So he could go that route or, or maybe, you know, he does want to play with Dior and maybe take a slightly lesser role, score less, have the ball less, but, you know, maybe they win more. Uh, more games and, and make a big run in Final Four. So I think there's a couple things away, and that's just totally up to those players. Haven't heard you know any, anything indicating either way right now. Goody, I do have one last recruiting question for you here. Something that's been floating around in articles, social media, all those circles right now is the whole 
the Bayheim can't recruit crowd has gone back into <laughs> their bushes and are, are you don't hear from them. You don't hear from the critics right now during these times. But I've kind of been steadfast in the belief that that crowd is a lot smaller than we think it is, if it even really exists at all. It's more of the the recruiting hasn't cut it lately. It hasn't been up to Syracuse standards lately. But what what are, are your general thoughts on this whole Bayheim can't recruit crowd and how they're quote unquote silent right now? Yeah, you know, I mean, there's always going to be people on, on social media, uh, especially. I think it's pretty much all social media because that way they, you know, people can hide a little bit easier and, and uh, have have views, whether it's on the flag or the kneeling or or social unrest right now or something, you know, as as relatively compared to all that mundane as a as a coach and one to coach for tires in this case uh, with with Bayheim and you notice it really is a small pool I think uh, we see it on social media but in the grand scheme it's it's such a small percentage of of all the Syracuse fans uh, for the most part they they seem to have appreciated Bayheim what he's done what he's doing uh, there's no question the recruiting has has declined a little bit, uh, although, you know, they're, they've usually averaged between the 30 and 40th recruiting class uh, in that general time, you know, window. And since in the last 20 years, they've had a few top tens uh, in that frame, but they've usually averaged 30 or 40. They're right around that. I think they're at 35 this year. They were at 36 or 34, 38. They were in the 30s last season with, you know, Buddy, uh, I'm sorry, Bryson Godines year uh last season so they've had pretty consistent recruiting i think the one thing that has changed probably is there's been fewer top 10 classes you know the, those were more a little bit more consistent until about 2014 and since then they've still been top 40 they just or top 50 they just haven't really gotten any better than that so they've just been uh good just not excellent and i think that's where it's just the the expectation versus what what the what what the actual is and it's the, the the greatness for so long that's just now above average but not not top ten and I think that's the the biggest change part of that for a number of reasons I don't think it has anything to do with the the coach's age a lot of players haven't said that uh, factor at all into their recruitment uh, I think it's a couple of reasons but as we as we've seen with uh, the past couple of commitments, Dior and Benny Williams, they both said, you know, Q's basketball is back. They want to make Q's basketball back. So they're obviously aware of maybe a slight drop-off, notably probably in the regular season win-loss record and, and the recruiting rankings. So they want to be part of a part of that swing back up. Well, it's definitely been a good stretch lately. I think basically everyone would agree with that, even if you throw in Alan Griffin to that mix, if you count him as kind of a recruit. Still plenty more to come with our favorite basketball insider for Syracuse, Matthew Gutierrez, who works over at The Athletic. But before we get to that, got to tell you about the protein bar that I have just been going to town on lately. And it is, of course, Built Bar. I'm eating like six or seven of these a week. Anytime I do a workout, it's just a great way to have a delicious treat. You can lose or maintain weight while still Get in some candy bar-like flavor. One of my favorites, the mint brownie. You get 15 grams of protein, just 110 calories. It's almost hard to even fathom how they do this. Four grams sugar, five grams net carbs. These bars are low calorie, low sugar, but somehow high protein and high fiber. They're great for you, and you can get your first box today. Go to BuiltBar.com, use the promo code LOCKEDON, 
for $10 off that first box. Get all your favorite flavors in there. Be sure to try out some fun ones because they've got some good ones. That's again, BuiltBar.com. Use the promo code LOCKEDON for $10 off your first order. Goody, some other news that came out last week was Quincy Garrier. We saw that he kind of had a minor surgery, repaired an injury of sorts. Um, any Should anybody be concerned about that at all? No, that's, uh, you know, relatively minor from what Pete Moore, the uh, public relations, um, essentially public relations manager for the team said was Quincy will be out for a few weeks and he'll be able to, looks like, be able to resume workouts in July. So his his timetable uh, is pretty much still going to be on schedule. He'll lose a few weeks of, of what would essentially amount to workouts on his own. So he's not missing out on, on formal workouts of the team. Um, you know, I know he's been working hard throughout this off season, trying to develop that jump shot we didn't see last season, but he swears, you know, in every interview, he swears he has a jump shot. So we'll see, <laughs> um, if he can show that in games, he hits a lot of shots in practice, doesn't hit them in games or didn't last year. Uh, but I think he's going to make a lot of big strides in his sophomore season could, could be a breakout guy. Um, a lot of, you know, obviously it's been said a lot of O'Shea and him. I think that's fair. Uh, but as far as the injury goes, nothing to be concerned about. I want to ask you about Howard Washington, if there's any update there, because I know Jalen Carey went public with his decision to URI. Bryson Goodine, who you just talked about, we know is going to Providence. Is there any shot at all in your eyes that maybe Washington comes back or any rumblings of where he might be going? Or is he just going to be a professional uh, rapper now? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's pretty good right now. He's a Really good kid and great inter great in interviews and and uh, love Howie and, and uplifting his teammates. Yeah, for sure. Now he was beloved by the coaches and and his teammates, despite obviously a less than optimal situation, both health wise and and playing wise playing situation. Uh, haven't heard anything new since about five weeks ago. I think it was when that when I had heard he was possibly considering staying at locally at Buffalo where he's from, or going to play uh, out in Washington for for Hop who uh, I think was one of his recruiters. Don't think he was his primary recruiter to Cuse, but one of them when Hop was still, uh, you know, Howard Washington arrived at Cuse in 2017. Hop was on staff until that, earlier until that spring. So I believe he was at least partially involved in the recruitment. But uh, no, I haven't heard otherwise besides Washington and, and Buffalo. I would put a, you know, really small chance that he returns to Syracuse just given um, what, what some ex players have said and what uh, the situation would be like if he did choose Syracuse. I think he wants to play and just don't see there being any playing time with two returning starters. He played 30 plus minutes apiece last season. Kadari Richmond, the team loves. Uh, and then if Alan Griffin is waived, which I would assume he's going to be, he'll, he'll also factor in it. He could play the two or the three. So the, there's just a lot of good guards on the roster. And therefore I think how he, uh, it's going to go elsewhere. This one it really isn't in the realm of basketball here, but the big hot button topic this week out of Syracuse <laughs> athletics is they've essentially scrubbed all affiliation from carrier dome. They've scrubbed all affiliation from the dome. It feels like it's now quote unquote, the stadium. How childish has this battle gotten between them and the naming rights of their, their stadium? Yeah. You can't really make it up the, not only the way they've, <laughs> Not only the names, but the way they've done it and how seemingly 
I think subtle they're trying to be, but it's not subtle. So, you know, it goes back to obviously last fall, uh, maybe more of a hilarious or, or disrespectful, however we want to look at it, to, to delete all the carriers from the hand, from the, you know, programs, change a quote, and then say there was no reason to that. Well, I mean, there's 50 random words and you're going to say there's no, there's no reason. So, uh, just, you know, that, that's a lie. And that's obviously not cool when you, when you're lying to fan base who, you know, pays their hard earned money to attend your games and, and buy food and buy merchandise at, at the arena and spend a lot of time. Uh, I don't really understand it. I think, you know, as far as the stadium goes, I think that's probably a temporary fill for presumably a new naming rights deal, a new sponsor, whether it's, you know, we want to be optimistic and, and hope maybe it's Wegmans. I know for a lot of Central New Yorkers, <laughs> that's, that'd be good. And assume, presumably Wegmans would would uh, add some some uh, some flavor to the Carrier Dome concessions, which I think a lot of fans have expressed is, is uh, lacking, to say the least, right? Um, with basically, you know, very few options and very few healthy <laughs> options. But Don't hate on the Dome nachos, Kitty. So, no, I'm just. Uh, yeah, you'll you'll make those, some enemies right? that way. Nachos in the water. <laughs> um, but uh, <laughs> yeah, I think I think it's just a filler right now for uh, what seems to be an, uh, a new game rights deal, which you know on a business size side makes sense, right? Get out of this this um, terrible deal with with care that they've been locked in for over 40 years, and 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 you can probably make anywhere from one to five million a year just for slapping a new name on the on the arena or stadium yeah way to catch your words there i did get a a text (laughs) from justin knight he listened to our last podcast and that wegman stadium has his vote so for anyone out there listening (laughs) whether you're you're affiliated with wegmans you've got the the vote of a future olympian i do have a a bit of a follow-up off of that though because we know carrier signed a lifetime deal and i know you're very interested in the the intersection between sports and business so how does Syracuse, A, get out of a lifetime deal, and B, why has Carrier been so silent on this entire matter? A couple questions. You know, I don't know all the answers to. I would say, generally speaking, you know, it is a lifetime deal, but there's usually, um, you know, some sort of opt-out clause or uh, other legal uh, intricacies we don't need to, you know, describe above above my uh, pay grade, and I think. Uh, fans wouldn't be able to relate as much either but i think there's a couple of legal issues that could be resolved right you you can can meet two sides meet me at a halfway point and and work out of it i think both both teams would would be able to do that and partly you know we've heard we've been hearing about this for about three years now this happened right when we first heard bloomberg reported syracuse was looking to get out of its perpetual deal with with carrier so this probably took a lot of time for a number of reasons notably just carrier maybe didn't want to budge and that might explain why they're being quiet um this has been almost a three-year ordeal to finally kind of phase out the carrier dome or carrier and carrier dome and part of that could be not saying it is but could be because carrier didn't didn't want to do that right this is good good publicity for that uh air conditioning company um, you know, Mr. Carrier, I believe, invented the air conditioning, and it, it was once a huge employer in upstate New York, moved a lot of those jobs overseas and contributing to the upstate New York's uh, dwindling economy a couple of decades ago. But uh, it would, would be advantageous for Syracuse to, to sign a new deal with somebody 
Well, it'll always be our beloved dome, whether it's the carrier dome or not. It'll always be our beloved dome. It won't be the stadium. Never, never, ever. <laughs> but uh, that that's a whole nother conversation as we advance through this summer. All right, Goody, thanks so much for all your insight. Be safe, be well, and go hit some straight golf shots after this. All right. I appreciate it, guys. Always a pleasure to chat. Stay healthy, stay well, guys. And, and I hope we get some more live sports soon. Always fun with Matthew Gutierrez. Very knowledgeable, very plugged in, and he gives you the stuff that you need to know about this Syracuse team. So we love having him on, and I'm sure we'll have him on again as the summer continues to progress. Maybe we get some more clarity on the Mac ETN situation as well. So go give him a follow, too, at Matthew Goot. 21. All right, that's going to do it for today. Tomorrow, we are going to have a special episode of the Locked on Syracuse podcast. You're not going to hear from Tim or myself. Instead, you're going to hear from eight of the black hosts from the Locked on Podcast Network for a Black Lives Matter roundtable. Ross Jackson, Tony Wiggins, Chris Carter, Keith Pompey, Cody Davis, Aaron Freeman, John Hickman, and your boy Q are all going to discuss everything that's been going on in the news lately. So, Be sure to check that out because it's going to be really good stuff. It's a really, really strong show, and that's going to be airing across our network on the Locked On Podcast Network. So for Tim, I'm Tyler. We'll be back with you guys on Friday, but be sure to tune into that episode tomorrow, and we'll talk to you guys on Friday. Friday.